Hello, everyone. Last Wednesday, we covered in our 1 Corinthians class, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. This is a little bit longer chunk of scripture than we'll normally cover, but the first part of it was simply, the first nine verses was simply the the prologue. So there wasn't a whole lot there um, as far as content goes, but uh, that's why we we covered such a a big chunk. And now as we summarize what we looked at, the the first nine verses, we're really going to kind of leave those alone and jump right into verses 10 through 17. I gave the class a an outline of the entire letter of 1 Corinthians, and within that outline, uh, as, which was I, I borrowed from F.F. F. Bruce, and within that outline, we, we will use kind of the, the subheadings or the subjects or you know, you can call it kind of what you want, the, the headings of, of the content. And verses 10 through 17 specifically are referring to the party strife that was taking place in Corinth, in the church in Corinth at the time. Keep in mind, Paul wrote this letter while he was in Ephesus, which was 250 miles away across the Aegean Sea. And he received a number of, as we talked last week, he received a number of different um I guess you would say letters or personal visits from people in Corinth that that led directly to the writing of this letter. And his list of things that he needed to address seemed to kind of grow with more correspondence as he was writing the letter. And the one he chose to cover first, which means it's pretty important to him, was divisions that were about to take place within the church. They had not quite yet written or, or uh, resulted in outright division within the church, but there was most definitely the potential of that happening. Therefore, he needed to address it. Now, before we jump into the source of these divisions that were taking place, um, we need to understand that within Corinth, kind of something underlying within this church that had to do with a lot of the issues that Paul had to address was was an, was an underlying problem of pride. Um, they were very proud, a proud people. They were a proud church, um, and that led to some issues. And when it came to any of these possible divisions, obviously the opposite of division is unity. And we're going to pull in just a little bit, second, uh, or the, the, the part of Paul's letter to the Philippian church in chapter 2. And Paul basically encouraged the church in Philippi, which seemingly didn't have any problems. I mean, that church was amazing, and Paul was very proud of them. And yet, even to that church, he urged them to be unified in Christ. And his, his ultimate example of, of that unity um, came in the humility of Jesus Christ. He said that the, the strongest, the strongest um, source of unity is humility among the people, the individuals, the body of Christ, and seeing to it that they saw others' interests and saw other people as above themselves. And he again, his ultimate example of this is Christ and his humility, which led to his willingness to come here to earth and accomplish his task of coming as a human being and ultimately dying as a human being um, for us. So, um, so keep that in mind. Always in our lives, the ultimate, um, the ultimate 
insulation of from division or the ultimate motivation to be unified is is a humble spirit a humble heart uh, uh, being a hum, uh, a person of humility so uh, again Corinth had issues with this and that led to what could possibly become divisions now um, specifically what they were uh, dividing or potentially dividing about there in Corinth was they began to claim uh, leaders within the church as their leaders and it seemed like they were doing this specifically in people who this sounds crazy but who baptized them so uh what it amounts to here is there are those who are lining themselves up behind paul paul baptized them um there are those who lined themselves up behind apollos who was a great leader within the church um and traveled around just like paul traveled around to different places preaching the gospel and apparently there were some within corinth who were baptized by apollos apparently there as well some who were uh, who followed and lined themselves up behind the apostle peter so Paul, the way that he addressed this, and the reason we know baptism played a role in this, is is Paul went specifically telling them, and what he said was, was um, in verse 13, he said, Paul was not crucified for you. You were not baptized into the name of Paul. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he comes at this directly. He says, it's Jesus who was crucified you it is jesus and the name of jesus in whom you are baptized now unfortunately when you look at verse 17 people have ripped this completely out of context and use this verse to to say paul minimized baptism like baptism wasn't important to him he says i didn't i was not sent to baptize i was sent to preach the gospel now accepting the gospel and accepting jesus baptism plays a role in that so what people do is they say no it doesn't otherwise paul would not have minimized baptism in this way what we need to understand is keep this in context paul is not minimizing baptism he's minimizing the baptizer in other words it is not who baptizes you who is important it's who you're baptized into who is important, the one who is crucified for you, for us, and that is Jesus Christ. Now, it's kind of interesting when we see Paul's thoughts on this, we get a little bit of a, a back, uh, an inside glimpse of it looks like how Paul went about his ministry. Paul seemingly in these towns that he went to and these places that he went to to preach the gospel, it seems like Paul preached the gospel and left the baptizing to others, whether it be his traveling companions like Timothy or Titus or, or possibly even, even Luke or others who traveled with him at times. Paul did this for a purpose. It's not that Paul didn't see baptism as important. What he did in this way was to discourage the, um, the cult, if you will, of personality. In other words, lining people lining themselves up under other people rather than under Christ. And guys, this is something, unfortunately, that happens well into our day. People lining themselves up under the teaching of men rather than simply lining themselves up after Christ. Um, 
the Christian church, Church of Christ, falls kind of into the heritage of, of a father-son team, along with, with some others as well, but primarily under uh, Thomas Campbell and, and Alexander Campbell. The Restoration Movement kind of became, uh, got its grounding and its fo- footing underneath them back in the mid um, in the mid 1800s, as well as as Stone was a part of this as well. And I have been called a Campbellite before. Uh, I don't like being called that. I'm not a Campbellite. I'm I'm a Christian. Um, There are those who have been called Calvinists, those who've been called Wesleyans. Um, And I don't think John Calvin or John Wesley would like that too much because they would want us, all of us, to fall under the Lordship of Christ, not under divisions that come about because of the teachings of men. So something for us definitely to keep in mind. This is not just something written to the church in Corinth. This is written to us as well and how we need to remain unified under the umbrella that is Jesus Christ, most importantly. So, again, uh, last Wednesday, we went over 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 17. That's the summary that we've just taken a look at. We will be together again this coming Wednesday, which is tomorrow night, Uh, and we hope that you can join us. Again, if you've not been able to join us yet, or if you miss a week or two, do not let that keep you from coming back. Uh, We have a lot of fun on Wednesday nights, 7 p.m., and we would love to have you. Have a meal before that at 6 o'clock. If you're hungry and want to come a little early, that'd be great, too. Uh, Hope to see you tomorrow night, Wednesday at 7 p.m. Have a good evening. Bye-bye.